Hey guys, welcome back to Missing the Mark. I know it's been a few weeks since my last episode. Uh, life has been pretty, pretty crazy between classes, uh, work, church, family, and very little free time. I'm sure a lot of you can actually relate to that. And even with this quarantine that we have going on now with the coronavirus, I, I honestly feel like I've been working just as much with school, even though I haven't been going to work the last few days. I feel like it's just been really busy for me. But in light of everything that's been happening, I wanted to share some things with you guys. Originally for this episode, I'd been planning to dig into the Old Testament and the old, uh, the Mosaic law, but I really wanted to maybe address some of the stuff that's going on today. Um, and I know it's a stressful time for just about everyone. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of worry that are that's occupying our thoughts. And some of that worry might be because of financial reasons. Uh, some of it might be because of health reasons. Uh, there's a million things that we worry about in our lives. And believe it or not, worry can be one of the things that prevents us from living the life the way God intended. I don't think worry is a sin, but worry can definitely separate us from God, which is what sin does. So I guess in a way it's indirectly a sin. I think it's human nature to worry. But the problem is, is when worry or stress becomes like the overwhelming thoughts or, you know, the way that we think, then that can distract us from living life the way God intended. And so um, I just wanted to kind of talk to you guys about that today and talk a little bit about worry. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of stressors in my life that caused me great amounts of worry. And normally it's financial stuff. Up front, that's you know, 99% of the time, the thing I'm worrying about is money. Uh, and the problem is, is that when I worry about money, it tends to consume my thoughts. So back in 2015, I had a ton of debt. I was constantly worried about money. I was living check to check and only able to make minimum payments on my credit cards. So for those of you that have credit cards, you know how it works. You get a large sum on there. You have a really high interest rate. And soon the minimum payment that you're making is just about the same amount of interest that you're accruing each month. So you're not really ever paying off your credit card. It's just this cycle of paying, making a payment, getting interest, making a payment, getting interest. And I remember looking at one point and uh, thinking like, oh, I wonder how long it's going to take me to pay off this card. And when I, I did the forecast or the, you know, the calculation for it, it was like 15 years or something like that. So just having that stressed me out, but I had a lot of debt. So it was something that I thought about all the time. And so I, I remember I would lay, lay awake at night thinking about ways to pay off my debt. Um, I would have dreams about it. I would think about maybe getting a new job or just different things that I could do to pay off this debt. Uh, I, normally I wouldn't go probably, I would say about an hour without thinking about it in some fashion. You know, and during this time, all of this worry and stress, it was starting to affect my relationship uh, with God. It was really, it was affecting my relationship with everyone. My wife could tell that I was stressed out and then it was stressing her out that she wasn't really able to do anything to help. So then she would get stressed and then I would get stressed and that's just never good. But it was also affecting my relationship with God because I was spending so much time worrying about money. I wasn't spending time thinking about godly things. So you know that verse, Philippians 4.8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if 
anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are things that I was definitely not thinking about because I was constantly worried. And I saw that because my thoughts were becoming consumed with money and worry, it was causing me to lose out on life in general. And and that's really the big reason that God doesn't want us to worry. It's a sickness that pulls our thoughts and our attentions away from God. And we focus on things that are most of the time outside of our control. God wants us to depend on him like a child depends on a parent. And this is something that humanity as a whole has always struggled with. So this is where I don't feel as bad about it because I know that I'm not the only person out there that struggles with worry or stress or essentially boils down to a control issue. You know, I want to have control of my own life and that's what it boils down to. And this is something that humanity has always struggled with. You know, I think the best example that I can think of in the Old Testament is when the Israelites were saved from the Egyptians. You know, they were they were slaves in Egypt and then they got rescued by God. You know, Moses and God rescued them. They did the plagues and all that. Uh, finally, it climaxed where, you know, Moses part of the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through, you know, and then it crashed back down on the Egyptian army, destroying their army. And uh, so then they are led into the desert where they are, you know, trying to find this promised land that God had, you know, promised them. I guess that's why it's called the promised land. So as you can imagine, soon after getting into the desert, uh, they start to wonder what they're going to eat. So as slaves, they would have had food provided for them, whether it was given to them to sustain them by the Egyptians or they were paid in food. However it worked, food and drink wasn't necessarily a worry for them. But as soon as they were on their own, they had to start worrying about providing for themselves. And this wasn't just a few hundred people that were worrying about food here. Exodus 12, 37 says there were about 600,000 men besides women and children. So there was probably double that, maybe triple that. So we're looking at probably a million plus people who are wandering through the desert. And there's not a whole lot of water in the desert. And there's not a whole lot of food and plants in the desert as well. So they had their livestock with them. They were able to bring livestock, um, but that's not going to be enough to sustain, you know, a million people. And plus, you have to sustain the livestock. You have to give the livestock food and water. I can't imagine that a million people in the desert with no food or water would last very long, especially with no like home, no way to farm. They, they were wandering the desert. They were nomads. And so they started to worry In Exodus 16, we see the Israelites actually start to complain to each other. Verse 2 and 3 says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we set around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. You see how quickly the Israelites went from being amazed that God had saved them by, he, he had just parted the Red Sea. He had done all of these plagues. He gave them the Passover where the, the firstborn son was killed, but they were spared because of the, the blood of the lamb. Like all of this amazing stuff had happened. But as soon as they got out into the desert and they didn't have food, they got mad. But I guess you can't blame them. Like I've been hangry before. And this is like a joke that me and my wife have. Not It's not really a joke. It's actually pretty serious. But if I'm starting starting to get emotional because I'm hungry. Like I tend to get angry and like snippy. We we just have this thing where we're like, how about we don't talk until we get food or you get food or whoever's hangry. 
And that normally is like the best way to go. You know, once we eat, you know, tempers go back down and we're no longer hangry. So I get it. You know, food is a big deal. And the Israelites were getting hangry. So they they didn't care how God had just performed all these miracles. The only thing they really cared about at this point was how they were going to get food. And so this is where we see God provide them the manna and the quail. Now, the manna is essentially bread, um, but he, you know, he makes it come from the sky and they collect it in the morning. Uh, So here's what's interesting, though. They're only supposed to take roughly three pounds of this bread per person, and they were only supposed to take enough quail to sustain them. Essentially, God commanded them. He said, only take enough food that you need for that day uh, and nothing more. And what's cool is when the um, when the Israelites tried to take more and, you know, maybe someone was being selfish and they took five pounds and then someone only took, you know, only got one pound whenever they weighed it at the end of the day because they had to weigh it. Each person ended up having three pounds. So no matter what, God was making sure that people were getting enough to sustain them, which is pretty cool, but not enough to enable them to stockpile food. Because God also commanded them not to keep any of it overnight, to throw it out, throw out what they didn't need. And those who did try to keep it overnight found that in the morning, the bread was full of maggots and it smelled bad. You see, God was trying to teach them to completely depend on him. He didn't want them to store away food and start to become independent. He wanted them to completely rely on him. And I think we can relate to this because how often do we think that we need to store things away in case of emergencies? What's the first thing that people did when this coronavirus hit? They went and bought a ton of toilet paper. I don't get it. I mean, I thankfully had enough toilet paper. I still do. I'm going to run out probably in a week and then hopefully I'll be able to find some in a store. But it's not going to be the end of the world if I don't have toilet paper. But what did people do? The first sign of trouble, they went and started stockpiling toilet paper, eggs, milk, bread. The, the shelves were empty and it completely shocked, you know, local stores and stuff. You, I walked into Sam's to get chicken one night and there was zero chicken on the shelves. Like it was like impossible for me to find chicken because people think that as soon as a crisis hits, they have to be prepared. And we get this drilled into our heads that we have to be prepared for emergencies. And even if there's not an emergency, we need to have a savings account where we have an emergency fund in case something comes up. We, you know, we don't want to depend on God in an emergency. We want to make sure that we are able to help ourselves. And this isn't what God wants. And this is so contrary to the way that humanity operates. God wants us to completely depend on him and not be reliant on ourselves, but to be completely reliant on him. And this isn't something that just the Israelites struggled with. You know, God had this lesson that he was trying to teach the Israelites with the manna. And fast forward to Jesus's time. You got the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about worry again, talking about storing up material possessions and talking about worry. And the Sermon on the Mount is perhaps the best insight that we have on what it looks like to get, live in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus knows that worry is something that people struggle with. And again, not just Americans, but humanity throughout the ages. Jesus is addressing it in his time, just as God has addressed it in the, with the Israelites thousands of years ago. So this is where we see Matthew, or in Matthew, Jesus talk about worry. So on the Sermon on the Mount, you know, directly from the mouth of Jesus, so this is God's viewpoint on worry, 
Matthew 6, 19. Here's where it starts. It says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moths and vermins destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And this is this is a powerful verse right here. So again, Jesus is directly talking about storing up material possessions, whether it's treasures or even just food or stockpiling, whatever. Jesus is talking about stockpiling here. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. It's, it's not going to do you any good. It's eventually going to be destroyed. If time doesn't get to it, thieves will. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of those things can affect your treasures. And then he says, you know, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's a very famous verse that people, uh, you know, quote. We see it on, you know, pictures on walls and uh, I don't know. It's all over the place. But it's a very famous verse. But it's so true, right? Wherever our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to be. So then I want to I want to talk about verse 22 and 23 because it says the eye is the lamp of the body if your whole or if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light right So when I was younger I used to think that it was really weird that Jesus went interject would interject this verse right here because if you take it at face value this seems to be a verse about purity right if the eyes are the lamp of the body the whole body will be full of light And when I was younger that's what I thought it was about I thought it was so weird that Jesus would talk about material possession then like, like quickly change to purity and then go back to material possession on like one thought. But when you dig into, to the scripture, the Greek word for healthy here, when used in this context also means generous. So if you reword that verse and say, if the eyes are generous, the whole body will be full of light. If the eyes are greedy, the whole body will be full of darkness. It wakes, it makes way more sense, or at least it did to me. But then Jesus immediately follows up talking about money and material possessions with a talk on worry. And he does this because what do most people worry about? Most of the time, it's basic needs, food, shelter, clothes, money. These are all things that we worry and think about. And not only do we worry about whether or not we're going to have them, but we often worry about what other people will think of us because of how much money we have or what clothes we wear. So it's a serious subject and a concern of Jesus. Starting in verse 25, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and tomorrow thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, 
you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You see, this is such a powerful, powerful passage. And it's, play, it's really played a huge part in my life. And I think it's something that people need to be reminded of today. You know, Jesus gives the example of the birds. I love it. He says, look at the birds. They don't have to store away food in barns or in, in refrigerators. They don't have to stockpile toilet paper. But God takes care of them. I think we're at least as valuable as a bird, if not more valuable. So if God is going to take care of a bird, will he not also take care of us? God will always provide for us. We don't have to worry about stockpiling food or toilet paper because God is going to need or give us what we need to survive. And again, the next line, can any one of us by worrying add a single hour to our lives? You know, Jesus is obviously asking a rhetorical question here, but it's so true. We can't add any time to our lives by worrying. You know, we can sit here and worry and live in fear about catching this virus but in the end, it does nothing for us. It's, there's no benefit to worrying. Instead of worrying about our health and catching this thing, we should be thinking about how we can use this as an opportunity to further his kingdom. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't exercise common sense and not take the proper precautions. But what I'm saying is, is that fear and worry shouldn't dominate our thoughts. What we should be thinking about is how we can use this opportunity, this crisis, to show God's love to others. Jesus says when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things will be given to us. God will give us what we need to survive. Worry can be a crippling sickness that prevents us from living in the kingdom of God. If we're always thinking about the future and you know preparing for the next disaster and how we're going to take care of ourselves, we leave very little room for furthering the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you guys, if worry is something that you struggle with, you know, if like you feel like you're just crippled by worry or stress, I just want you guys to pray. Pray to God that he will take care of that burden for you. Meditate on his word. Spend time reading your Bible and focusing on him. Give your burdens to God and he will ease your burdens and give you hope instead of worry. And if worry is something that you currently aren't struggling with, then I challenge you to look for opportunities in your community to share your excess with those in needs. Even if it's someone you don't know, this crisis or pandemic or whatever you want to call it, it's a huge opportunity for us to come together as a church and show the world what it looks like to be part of the kingdom of God. The burden to take care of people who can't take care of themselves should not fall on the government. It should fall on the church and the people who God has blessed with excess. Find a way to help help out and pray for God to give you a chance to show his love to someone who is facing this crippling worry and stress. Come together as a church, as a people to help others. Don't worry about stockpiling funds and or toilet paper or whatever it is, but look for opportunities to help others who aren't as blessed as you are or maybe are having troubles or struggling financially or, or whatever it is, 
try to look for those opportunities to help out. You know, I'm constantly reminded of this verse in James 4. It says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Guys, we don't know what the future is going to have in store for us. No one could have predicted this situation. And no matter how much we stockpile or how much we prepare, there's always going to be a situation that completely blindsides us. And all of that preparation goes out the window and it's now useless. Instead of focusing on our our energy and our thoughts and worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow, we should be focusing on today and saying, if the Lord wills it, we will live and do this or that. Remember, guys, tomorrow has enough problems of its own. Instead, we should focus on today. Let's pray. Dear God, I just want to pray for everyone who's listening to this, God, and, and really just America as a whole, or the church as a whole. God, I pray that you just relieve the burden of stress and relieve the burden of worrying and just give us hope and remind us how faithful you are, God. Very few of us have gone hungry. Very few of us knows what it's like to, to not have a home or not have a shelter, not have food or clothes. God, you have always remained faithful and always provided for us. Help us remember that and help us find ways to share your love with others and to be able to bless others with what you have blessed us with. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Well, I want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, Go ahead and check out our website at missingthemarkministry.com and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Have a good one.